My brother-in-law, Jason Sanchez, is going to teach us today. Yeah. He's visiting here from Mexico. Um, come on up. Come say hi to us. He's uh, a director of an orphanage in Bashiniva, Mexico. We've taken a few trips down there. Uh, Wallingford's taken a few trips as well down there. And uh, he's going to share with us how it's going. It's been, I know it's been kind of a difficult year. Um, some of the kids are gone. He's going to share with us about it and, and teach us in the Word as well. So, Jason Sanchez. Okay. Good morning. This is great. Um, just quick show of hands. If you have visited us down in Mexico, if you've come down on a mission trip, just raise your hand real quick. Okay. So a good, good portion. Yeah. Um, here's a here's a picture. This first picture, it's going to show um, what our property. Um, so that is where we're at. And uh, actually, next month, August, it'll be nine years since my family and I moved down there. Um, so the Lord just did kind of the miraculous in calling us from Puyallup um, and to pack everything up, sell everything, and move down. This property was actually uh, just an apple orchard. And so it was uh, a dead apple orchard that the Lord allowed us to Purchase for $18,000, which is a great deal. We have 40 acres. And um, so we started building the main um, lodge. Uh, obviously, is the biggest one right there. Our house is down to the bottom left. And then we have offices, um, a computer lab. And then the last building is a coffee shop. Um, my wife and I were in coffee before we moved down there. So you have to have a coffee shop. Unfortunately, teams have not been able to enjoy it because of what we went through so well we enjoy it every morning we make ourselves coffee um so many of you 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 guys have been in the journey with us um from the start and i will say that we have been through all kinds of things as we were building as we were preparing as we were getting registered as an orphanage all of the things but i, I never anticipated that things would come to such a standstill as it did last year. Obviously, you all know what I'm talking about. And yeah, so we're in a completely different phase, a different place, a, a place of just wondering, a place of waiting, a place of really trusting that God will lead us. Can I get an amen to that? I mean, did you guys, you guys know what that is like? I'm so thankful for the song that we sang, um, Thy Will Be Done. I mean, I, I think we could have just kept singing that over and over, Thy Will Be Done. Although it is easier to sing that than when we're in it. Would you agree with that? It's easier to raise your hands and say, oh, thy will be done wherever you lead me. And then when he's, his will is a pandemic and everything closes down, it's like, ooh, Maybe you could change that to fit this. Um, and so if you have your Bible, turn to the Gospel of Luke. I, I would like to share just kind of briefly out of the first... Um, oh man, I got to get my glasses. I can't see. Sorry. Luke chapter 5. Um, 
We're just going to look at the first um, 11 verses. So Luke chapter 5, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Verse five, and Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Now I want to pause there, took nothing. And then I want to highlight the exclamation point because that's an important part of this. So here's the situation. You have Jesus, obviously his ministry is growing and it's building and the crowds are chasing after him, coming after him to hear him speak. And so he comes um, to the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Gennesaret and he sees these boats, he sees the crowds that are pressing and so he wants to use sort of the acoustics of the ocean. He wants to back out so he can teach um, the people. And he asks Peter, he asks Simon, hey, can I borrow your boat? Let's get in your boat. Uh, let's go out and um, I'm going to preach. And keep in mind that they had just finished fishing, right? They had just finished a night of work. Um, it says that they were cleaning their nets. And so, right, I imagine they were exhausted. I imagine they were tired. Um, and then here is Jesus saying, hey, let's get back in the boat. Let's go back out. Um, and so they go and they preach. He preaches. And it says that when he had finished, he says to Simon, put out into the deep, let your nets for a catch. So then he says, let's go out a little bit further. Let's go fishing some more. And this seems a bit crazy to me because these guys had been doing it according to verse 5. They had been out all night long. It was believed that fishing in the evening was better than during the day. These guys were seasoned fishermen. And so here you're tired, you're exhausted. It's been a long day of work. You have had zero success. And now the guy that just preached and gave a word, wants you to go back out a little further to fish some more. And Peter's response, we see in the first part of verse five, is, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. And then there's an exclamation point. An exclamation point or an exclamation mark, I looked this up, a mark used especially after an interjection or exclamation to indicate forceful utterance or strong feeling. So there's a reason there's an exclamation mark and not a period. Here you have Simon saying, he, he's not saying, oh Jesus, you know, we just got out. Can we rest a little bit? He is saying, master, he is saying forcefully, Utterance or strong feeling. He's saying, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. That's how I think he said it. <laughs> Nada. 
Uh, Jesus, look at our nets. Now, this is a make or break moment. For me, these are really, really important all throughout the scriptures. Kind of make or break moment. There's Peter, Simon can go one of two ways. He can look at the circumstances. He can look at what's taking place and he can say, Jesus, you stick to carpentry because you're a great carpenter. We're going to stick to fishing. Uh, You don't fish during the day. You fish during the night. You don't do this. He had all um, legitimate reasons to say, no, we're not going to do this. We have toiled. We are exhausted. We have cleaned. It is not going to work. And the Lord brought this chapter, um, this particular passage to me, kind of right in the middle of this pandemic and everything that was going on. Um, And it feels like a good description of 2020 for us down in Mexico, and in some ways, even in 2021, because Mexico is very, very far behind, um, like a lot of countries. Um, I was sharing at another uh, church a couple months ago down in Oregon, and and it was the first time, uh, one of the first times of you know traveling and being out a little bit more, and um, it was just great seeing things beginning to open and seeing churches um, filling back up. It's a little strange looking out and not seeing mass. This is actually the first time I've been in a church service without a mask. I felt a little naked. I brought it just in case because. Down in Mexico, um, things are still pretty bad. And uh, school is still not meeting at all. Um, There's still limited capacity for restaurants and uh, restrictions. The border is still technically closed to non-essential travel. Um, And so it it has been challenging even going into 2021. Of just thinking, okay, this is literally feeling like we're almost a year and a half and not a whole lot is changing. Um, so I share that with you for just to please continue to pray for Mexico and other countries that are still uh, suffering badly from this pandemic. And let's not forget as, as things are opening and more freedoms and all that stuff, it's so nice, but let's just remember, uh, you know, those that are still uh, struggling and, and wrestling through that. Um, so no doubt prior to the pandemic, 2020 was just supposed to be this incredible year. It was supposed to be the biggest year we've ever had down there. Uh, I've got some pictures to kind of walk us through the journey. Um, the orphanage opened in 2013 and we have cared for over 60 children, uh, any, anywhere from two years old to 20 years old. Some have been true orphans. Some have been um, kind of abandoned, brought to us. Um, some have been, um, we partnered with, with help their parents of saying, hey, you know, I want my son or daughter to go to school. Um, they want to be involved. So it's kind of three categories for how we had kids. This is actually the last picture that we took before the shutdown and before everything changed. So we were actually celebrating uh, my daughter, who she's here on too. Hi. Um, she was two. We adopted her from Ethiopia. 
So we brought her, moved her from Ethiopia to the United States and then moved her to Mexico by the time she was two. So she was a world traveler all by the age of two. So this, this we had 13 kids at this time, um, 11 girls and two boys. The gentleman standing there with the vest, that's Pastor Luis. He pastors the Calvary Chapel that um, we helped plant in 2003. That is our uncle, his wife, Kim, uh, our aunt. And so we had kids. The orphanage was full. We had uh, nine mission teams that were scheduled to come down. Teams were scheduled. Tickets were purchased. We had started a new building project because the campus was growing. This next picture we have, it's, uh, we were going to build a um, kind of a multi-purpose gym area. One of the things that I love that we get to do when we build is we get to hire workers. The town that we live in is about 2,000 people, and uh, minimum wage down there is about $7 a day. And uh, so when we're able to help provide jobs, um, it is awesome. Uh, we have gone 2020, as if things can get worse. Uh, it was one of the worst droughts in Mexico and in our area, and our town is apples. Um, and so people lost entire crops. Um, I've never realized the importance of rain. When I lived here in Washington, I would complain all the time because it rained so much. I never thought I would be in a country that was praying for rain. Uh, we have just barely entered our rainy season, and they think that it's going to uh, be a good one this year. So please pray for that. Um, a lot of farmers, they're dependent. We had one hailstorm. It lasted for maybe two or three minutes. And one hailstorm can wipe out an entire uh, uh, apple orchard. And so it's, it's hard. It's challenging. And so one of the things that, that I love doing is when we do building projects, um, we're able to help provide jobs. And so we were starting this to be a multi-purpose room, kind of a gym, gymnastics area. We had um, preparations to start a Christian school on our campus. The schools down there are... Uh, not good. And um, you can talk to my daughter about that. She can testify how it's it's very, very challenging, the education down there. Her English teacher, my daughter was teaching her English class more than the English teacher because she doesn't speak English. And then she would correct us on how she thought we were wrong with our English. So it was a little confusing. <laughs> Feeling like, I'm pretty sure that's right. <laughs> Uh, a lot of our kids that came to the orphanage, they're very, very behind in school. And so we uh, thought, man, Lord, would you open up an opportunity uh, for us to start not just for kids in the orphanage, but then as an outreach to the community. Um, and so we had gotten registered. We took some online classes to start that. We had started outreaches to the community through an English class and a sewing outreach. We got another picture here. This was our first we just put it out there. We said, hey, if you'd like to learn English, we can take 20 people. Uh, 20 people signed up from the community. And so Tuesdays and Thursdays in the evenings, um, they would come. Um, my aunt with the marker, that's Kim, the girl next to her. Her name is Jenna. She came down um, from Oregon as a licensed teacher to teach, certified to teach English. And so our English classes had kicked off and people were coming. They would come early to the coffee shop. We'd give them coffee and then doing English classes. Um, we started a sewing outreach to the community to help teach women how to 
uh, sew with machines. This dress that you see here, this is the Tarahumara Indians. Uh, the Tarahumara Indians live all throughout the Sierra Madres and in the state of Chihuahua. Most of our kids uh, were Tarahumara Indians. And in the years past, when I would travel, we would, I would bring up uh, bracelets and necklaces and all kinds of things that we would hire these ladies to make. And then um, it would provide jobs for them. We could minister to them, to disciple them. And uh, so these were two of the moms of the kids that we were watching, their girls. And it was so incredible to see them use a sewing machine for the first time. They were starting to make bags for our golf tournaments that we were doing. We do a golf tournament every year, which is our biggest fundraiser. Every year in July, we do it uh, here down in Tacoma area. And then the Lord opened up a door for us to do one in Florida. So we had two golf tournaments scheduled. So we were planning and we were prepping and we were doing all the stuff for that. Um, I had multiple trips to travel and speak at new churches, new churches that wanted to partner with us. And so 2020 was on track to just be a massive year. And then just on a personal level, uh, our 15-year anniversary trip, I thought I cannot fail as a husband anymore and take my wife to El Paso, Texas for anniversary. <laughs> I've got to do something more. If you've been to El Paso, it's the armpit of Texas, they call it, borders with New Mexico. We're four and a half hours south of that, and I thought, no way, I can't just take a mission trip back and then stay a couple extra nights and call it our anniversary trip. Um, and so I booked this entire trip to New York City for April 2020. And yeah, so not one of those things happened. Every single thing that every mission team was canceled, the building, I mean, everything changed. And I know that this resonates with all of you because we all went through that. So whether you're a believer or a non-believer or living in Mexico or living in the United States or living in the... It was a worldwide thing. And I remember, I was supposed to come up here and speak and lead worship in my family. We were in the car. We were driving to pick our daughter up at the school to drive up to fly out. And I got a phone call from one of the pastors saying, I don't know how things are like down here, but everything is just shut down up here. Uh, we don't think we can have church on Sunday. And you guys might want to not come up, you know, to see kind of what happens. Of course, at that time, Mexico was, they pretended like the pandemic didn't exist. And our president had, he's into charms, not lucky charms, not the cereal, but charms. Very, very spiritual, and he, on, on, in an interview in front of the nation, he said, these are what are going to help us get through this, and he held up his charms. No joke. So that's kind of how Mexico responded initially to the pandemic. So then when everything changed and everything shut down, and then it started coming into Mexico, and so it was the stay at home, it was the quarantine, and so we shut down the orphanage. Uh, we had started talking to the parents of that have kids there, and all of them unanimously said, you know, this is a scary time. We'd like to have our kids. Some of them had lost their jobs. So we were re able to uh, relocate 11 of the children with, with family for what we thought was just going to be for a few weeks. Uh, we had two girls that moved in with us. Got a picture of, of a couple. This is Natalia. Natalia is 12 years old. Uh, she has a mom, but uh, her mom can't 
physically, emotionally, mentally care for her. And so she is kind of a true orphan. She's never met her dad. Uh, she moved in with us because she had no other options. And then the next girl is Catalina. She is 16. She lost her father. Her mom abandoned her. And so the, her and her four siblings were raised by their grandparents in the Sierra Madres. And uh, she has been with us. She finished her junior year of high school. I would say, well, in Mexico, it's numbers one to rope uh, five to ten. She finished with all nines and tens. So, uh, and she will be the first uh, person in her family to graduate high school. So she's entering her senior year next year. And so these girls, we went from a family of three to a family of five. I went from living with two ladies to living with uh, four ladies. Uh, our three dogs, our three huskies happen to be females. So there's just a lot of uh, intensity down there. Thankfully, we have 40 acres where I can disappear at different times. So that's what happened. And, and, and obviously, we missions team, all, everything was canceled. And, and thankfully, we were able to, to um, help pay our staff as long as, as we could. And then, you know, just watching and waiting and everybody thinking, oh, this summer and oh, by Easter and oh, this summer and then oh, the fall and oh, in 2021. And now here we are, you know, in the summer and not a lot has changed. And I got to tell you that that is probably one of the most difficult, potentially depressing time when Everything that you have planned, everything that you've worked for, everything that has built up for it, all of that is suddenly non-existent. And we, you know, people, I don't know how many times, and I love this because of people who love us and pray for us. What's your plan? What's your plan? What are you guys going to do? Are you guys coming home? Are you guys going to stay? And part of me just wanted to not answer cell phones, not answer emails because I don't know. And so I relate to this as, as Peter's just saying, Jesus, we, we have toiled all night and we have nothing to show for it. And for me, I'm kind of like, really, I, I have nothing to show for in 2020. All of the things that we would normally do, all the pictures, all the videos, all the stories I would share with people, that is not there because of this pandemic and what happened down there. And so it just, it for, thrusts you and it forces you to uh, really to make those make or break moments. Okay, Lord, I can either take this as a sign that this is it, we're to go home. Uh, we knew a lot of missionaries that some had to go home because of the countries that they were serving in, others because of finances, you know, as churches are closing and jobs are closed and all this stuff, you're thinking, okay, well, the funding's gonna, I mean, all of these things. And so my wife and I, obviously we talked through it, you know, is this time and, and we've been through, you know, drug cartel and we've been through a lot of mess down there and there's, but nothing like this. And so here's where, where Simon's at. Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing but at your word. I would encourage you guys to underline or highlight those next four words because this is the path that Simon chooses to go down. 
after toiling all night, after catching nothing, rather than saying thanks but no thanks, Jesus, packing it up and walking home. Which would have made sense. He says, but at your word. I would have loved to have been there. I would have loved to have been back at this scene, at this moment. What an intense moment. No doubt others are looking and watching. Master, we toiled all night, we took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. That is so huge. It was as if at this point, nothing else mattered except for what Jesus was saying. And what we began to pray is, Lord, are you telling us to go? You say the words and we'll go. And the reason why we're still down in Mexico is because he has not said that. And we have tried as best as we can to do what Peter said, Lord, at your word. If you want us to stay, we will stay. If you want us to go, we will go. And listen, Peter didn't say, but at your word, because he knew what was going to happen. He just knew that there was power behind the words of Jesus. I don't know what Jesus taught in that boat. I don't know if Peter was paying attention. Maybe he was dozing off because he was exhausted from fishing all night. I don't know those things, but it was something that stirred Peter enough to say, Lord, in spite of all of these things, at your word, I will listen. We see that at another time in the Gospel of John chapter 6. Listen to this. After this, many of Jesus' disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So Peter, Simon had an understanding that there was something meaningful and powerful behind Jesus' words. And look at the response. Look at the result. Verse six, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. It gets better. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled not one, but both the boats. And then they began to sink. So this, I love this about Jesus. It's as if Jesus said, thank you for obeying me. Thank you for not looking at the circumstances and not looking at anything and only fixing your eyes on me. And as a result of that, I am going to bless you beyond blessing. I'm going to fill your nets, not just with a little bit, but to the point that their nets are going to break. And then you're going to call your buddies over. And then when they come over, not one of your boats is going to be filled, but both of your boats. And it's going to be filled to the point that they're going to sink. That is a lot of fish. Imagine these guys. Imagine Peter. Imagine them seeing this take place. And it's no wonder why in verse 8 we see, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, 
for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. He realized I am absolutely nothing. Depart from, I am not worthy of this. And of course, we know that this was just a sort of a means to the bigger thing that the Lord was going to do. This is when the Lord would begin to call the disciples to follow him. Look at verse nine. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And then I love verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. A make or, a make or break moment that literally changed Simon's life. And for us in here, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a job, whether it's we've been toiling, whether there, there's, we have nothing to show for anything, and, and the Lord is telling us to do something that just seems ridiculous. It just seems impossible. Are we willing enough to take him at his word and to say, okay, Lord, if you are telling us to be here, then we will be here. If you're telling us to go, we will go. If you're telling us to pack up and move, we will do that. If you're telling us to hunker down and trust you, we will do that at your word. It was at God's word that there was light. It was at his word, the sun and moon were stars. It was at his word that life was created. It's at his, his word that all things are held and sustained. And so I can look back on 2020 and think, well, nothing took place. And that's true if it's in the way that I thought things should go in 2020. But if I look at what God did and the new things that came about in 2020, he has done incredible things. Um, I got a few pictures. So as we were realizing, okay, this thing is not going to end more so in, anytime soon, um, I started thinking, how do we help these moms? If there's not an option for the kids to come back, how do we help? And so we started our health and wellness program. Where basically it was like, hey, if your kid can't be here, then we're going to bring the help to you in as best as we can. If it's, if it's in the form of, of financial needs, if it's in the form of food, schooling, tutoring, whatever it is. And so rather than having it in our four walls in the orphanage, as we have done all the years, we began to go out. And it was unbelievable because look, here's Angel and Gladys. This with their mom, we were able to move them into this new home in town. We bought them that, that stove uh, the, that's uh, right behind them. Uh, we were able through so many of people's generation, generous donations and financial contributions, we were able to help put on Christmas. And so this was the morning that uh, we took Christmas to them, presents and food and money. And as I was seeing the kids and seeing these moms and having conversations, we started realizing these moms really want to be with their kids. And they should be with their kids. 
We should do everything we can to not have them come back to the orphanage. And it was like a light bulb went on thinking, wow, Lord, are you closing this down to open up something else? And uh, so that's on Hill and Edgar. The next picture we have is, um, this is Edgar. I mean, when I, you see how content they are with the moms. It's like, I don't want them to come back. I want to do whatever we can. We want to help with our resources. And so we were able to get these guys um, settled into a new place. I think I have a picture of where they lived. Maybe not. Yeah, so those are semi-trailers. So that's living down there. Two semi-trailers stacked on top with some holes cut into it for ventilation and a window. Um, and so we were able to furnish and, and get them... Um, beds and refrigerator and microwave, um, help with schooling. Uh, we, then we were able to move them to a better location so they're not on the second story in this crammed uh, little room. I think the next picture we got, this is just to show you, uh, this is Berta, uh, her little sister, uh, onto Natalia, um, Berta and her sister Irene, which is in the next picture. Uh, they've been with us for two or three years. Uh, they both have a mom and a dad, and so we were able to um, help them out financially. We got them a TV so they could do schooling in Mexico. Schooling is not online. They're broadcasting it on TV 24-7. I never thought I'd have to get a TV subscription, subscription for my kids to learn. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they, they partnered with four of the major networks down in Mexico, and 24-7, uh, they run the classes. And so, again, all these new ways of helping, paying for, um, they call it saldo. What, what would that be in uh, English? Um, uh, cell phone minutes. You buy these cards, and it, it has a certain amount of data and whatnot on it. So uh, we've been buying cell phone cards to put minutes because... Um, you know, for data, for we've been helping, we bought the TV and just things that we never thought we would do before when the orphanage was running and everything was there in the four walls. I think we've got a couple more pictures. Um, this is Natalia. We just celebrated her birthday. This is her mom. Her mom is, I would say, 95% blind. She loves Natalia with all her heart, but understands 100% that she cannot care for her nor really wants to. So it's a strange thing, but this was her birthday. We invited them over. That's Natalia's little brother. Um, so we have them come over as, as often as, as they're in town. She's kind of a bit of a nomad. She'll just pick up and go different places, different towns. Uh, so we never know, sometimes for a couple weeks, sometimes for six, seven months. Um, but we were able to, uh, we helped them with some finances. Next picture. Um, this is when she's in town. This is her house. It's made of adobe. And so we were able to go in there and do some remodeling. We installed some electrical in there. I think the next picture shows we put some sheetrock in there. So just looking for ways that we can help in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, and then a couple more pictures. Uh, this, these two ladies they were at a store as we were coming out and they had bags and bags and backpacks of groceries. It was these two older ladies and then the one on the right, uh, her husband. And I said, can I help you guys, you know, carry these bags out as they're trying, you know, the old lady, she's got a, a pack with groceries and, you know, walking like this. I said, can I, 
was about to say, can I help load these into your car? Well, I realized that they walked to the store. I said, how are you guys getting home? They said, well, we're just going to walk. And I said, could I please give you a ride? And they said, well, sure. Um, I said, where do you live? And they said, um, La Colonia is over three miles. I said, you guys were going to walk? Did you walk here? They said, yeah. And I said, you're going to bring all these groceries there? And they said, yeah. And I said, please let me give you a ride. And, and the, the husband, he didn't hesitate whatsoever. He said, thank you. We, we, would, have got, we would have arrived in May. And uh, <laughs> it had taken us a month to get there. So we drove them, and then I dropped them off, and they said, how much do we owe you? I said, nothing. I'm not going to charge you for helping you not have to walk with bags and bags of groceries. And so um, we were able to uh, bring them, the girls, Natalia and Auntie wanted to bake cookies and make cards and stuff. And so uh, this day we went, we delivered cards and cookies, and we sat at their table just talking with them. And I gave them my phone number, and I said, anytime you guys need a ride, just let me know. You know, so maybe I thought maybe I'll start an Uber business down there in Bashiniva. <laughs> Just, you know, give rides. So these things are happening in the midst of things not happening, of what I thought should happen. Does that make sense? You tracking? And in some ways, it was better. Um, I think we got one more picture, maybe. Uh, so this is Carolina. That's her station where she would go and she would do her homework. Um, this is Kenya. Kenya lives in town. Uh, her dad is stranded up in the states um, because of the border closure he can't come back he's working up in the states and so Carolina asked me she said hey could um could, could Kenya come and work you know there's no good phone signal that she doesn't have internet she can't do her schoolwork and I said yes and so one girl turned into two girls turned into this kind of study time where these high schoolers were coming uh, and using our internet and our property um, for schooling so it was kind of a, a, a revelation that just took place where it was basically the Lord was saying, Jason, don't look at 2020 as all the things that were canceled and the things that you're not doing or that you thought we should do. I want you to focus on these things that I am allowing you to do, these new opportunities. And of course, in my mind, because we're humans and, you know, I'm just I, I'm thinking you know, well, our funding is probably going to dry up. I mean, people are, they're going to say, oh, the orphanage is closed, or kids are back with their moms, or, oh, you're, you're helping kids that aren't. And all these thoughts came into my mind, thinking that, okay, we'll just do this as long as we can until the funds dried up. Well, I'm here to tell you the funds have not dried up. Actually, the funds have increased. And that, that to me, is the, the boat's sinking that to me is Jesus saying, I'm not just going to give you fish. I'm going to give you a lot of fish. Now, I wish I could say in the closing that we have everything figured out for the rest of this year. I don't. In fact, I don't try to figure things out anymore. In fact, I think there's a reason why Jesus says, don't worry about what? Tomorrow. Be anxious for nothing. That's what we're to focus on. And so, for those of you that have come down, it, it, things look totally different. And it is different. 
but I'm so thankful that God is still working and I'm so thankful that he's still moving. I'm so thankful that we're still able to care for these kids. I'm even more thankful that now we have an opportunity to minister to these moms and minister to other kids and minister more to the community. And so make or break moments. We can either say, ugh, this sucks, I'm going home. Or we can say, Jesus, at your word, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to keep going until you say something else. And we will be astonished at what God does in our midst. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. I think we're going to sing again. Yeah? Okay. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for reminders like this that you are in control. We thank you, Lord, that in light of a pandemic, in light of just hardship and difficulties and job losses and church closures, closures and border closures and, and even loss of, of loved ones through, through death. And what, Lord, we thank you that you never change, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you, Lord, that you're still working. We thank you that you're still moving. And so, Lord, we want to learn to drown out the outside noise and simply listen to your word at what you're saying, at what you're speaking. Lord, I pray for Mexico. I pray for um, gosh, just other countries, Lord, that are really, really struggling, Lord. We just pray for your hand to be upon um, those countries, Lord. We just thank you, God, that you are with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Thank you for the freedom that we have on this day, the, the independence, the freedom, Lord, we have to worship, to praise you. And Lord, bless everyone's day. Bless their week. Lord, whatever happens, <laughs> bless them, Lord. And we know that you're going to because that's what you do. And give us a heart and eyes and ears to listen, to see, and to know that you are still in control. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.